very immature. This would be the time when you would head for children's church. Uh, Mark, feel free. Uh, <laughs> um, so Abby and, um, and, and other kiddos, if you all want to head on down. Um, and we'll uh, pray real quick for the, for the message, um, um, and we'll, we'll dive in here. Uh, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with, uh, be with me this morning as I, as I share the word. I pray that you would help me to be faithful to, uh, to, to the text and to what you have to say, Lord. Help me, to be, um, help me to not get in the way of the message, Lord, that it would just be you um, and your heart and your mind and your, your plan that comes through and everything. I pray that uh, you be with the folks who are here and you touch their hearts. Help them to um, be fertile soil. Help them to be ready, um, um, willing, and, and, and able just by the power of your Holy Spirit to, to hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, I'm going to turn my fan on before I start. Work. I think it's... Yay. I'm not allowed to run the air conditioner anymore, so... Instead of it being like a meat locker in here, I got a fan, and um, and and that's the plan. So, I uh, I have with me, and I I changed my mind as I started um, as the service started, and so I didn't have a chance to add it to the slides. Um, but I have a photo. It's been in my office, I think, in every office I've had for the last ten years, and you can't see it. But if you ask me after service, I will show it to you. Um, it is one of the first pictures I got of Jessica. Um, we met on the Internet way back when the Internet was like two cans and a string together. Um, I know it's hard to believe, but there was a time when the Internet didn't exist, and this is during the infancy of it. And, and we, we met and we, we married very quickly, and it was, it was, it was a long time ago. But I, uh, one of the first pictures I got of her, I got in the mail, and it is this picture, and she is um, very young. Um, probably 19 or 20, we're, we're not exactly sure. Um, but I, I picked it up, um, and I wanted to start with this today, is um, every time I look at it, and I, I look at it every day I'm in the office, which isn't very often. Um, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> every time I look at it, I find myself stopping and thinking about how very different everything is. Um, she she looks the same. She still has like the best smile of anybody I've ever met. Um, she's still beautiful, like today, like she was then. But but everything is different. Um, you know, you throw 18 years into the mix, and 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 everything either gets better or worse, or changes or shifts. And and even then, like in my own, I've got a, a photo on my on my phone. I carry around of of Abby when we interviewed here. Um, she's in uh, at the Bitz's house. And we're out watching a calf being born, I think, or something like that. But she's all wrapped up, and she's this tiny little itty-bitty thing, right? And you can just see her eyes. She looks like the, the brother from A Christmas Story, yeah. <laughs> ready for deep-sea expedition kind of thing. I mean, she is absolutely covered. And I, I, uh, I, I see that picture, and I just think about how much has changed, like how far things have gone. And anybody who's a parent is right now, like, sort of understanding this, right? You know, it, it, it's astonishing to watch kids grow, to watch people grow, to watch um, um, how God changes and seasons things over time. Um, we're we're doing our cook-off today, and and when you when you cook a, a brisket right, like it takes 12 to 20 hours, right? I mean, it, it's a slow process of. 
Well, I mean, when, when your brisket comes out of a can marked spam, uh, it sometimes takes a little less time. <laughs> Remember, I'm the one with the microphone, so you be careful when you pick on the one with the microphone. Um, <laughs> so, um, but, but it's that time and slow process that I want to talk about today. We're, we're working through a series um, on the gospel according to Jesus. And the last few weeks, we've sort of talked about different things that Jesus talked about when he preached and, and how there's been sort of a shift in the way the gospel is presented. Um, and I want to be clear up front. The gospel is, um, is this. I mean, very simple. If you believe that Jesus was the Son of God, you believe that he died for your sins, you believe that God raised him from the dead, and you, you like, like, not just believe in him, but follow him, like you're forgiven for every rotten, bad thing you ever did, and God will, through his Holy Spirit, like change you into the person you were made to be. It isn't an instant thing. It's not like Hannah's brisket, where you just add water and it's cooked. Um, Just open the can. It is a slow process of, you know, marinating, and, and sometimes a lot of heat is applied, and sometimes there's difficulty, and sometimes there's pain, and sometimes there's hardship, and sometimes there's times when you stop and you look up and you say, all right, God, where'd you go? Right? Can anybody relate to this, by the way? Like, but over time, that's what turns us into someone different. My, my wife in this photo is, is, is young, and she is very beautiful, and she's still beautiful to me today. But if she, if she was still the person she was back then, like, like it wouldn't be a good thing. Not because she wasn't wonderful, but because God changes us. And it's slow, and it's amazing, but God changes us. Um, and that's what we're going to be talking about. Over the last few weeks, we've talked about the idea of repentance, returning to God as the beginning of like what Jesus preached. Uh, we talked about following him, meaning we can't just stay where we're at. We have to move and not physically like move away from where we live necessarily. But like we have to respond and change. We have to pursue him. We have to not live the way we were. We've got to become different um, by obeying his teachings, by you know like growing and then uh, last week we talked about the idea of resting in him. And this is where, this is where we take a break, like, like as often as possible, and we, and we spend time with him. Um, the best thing I ever figured out in being married was that I had to spend a certain amount of time with my wife every day, right? Um, I, had to, I had to spend time talking to her. I had to spend time, you know, planning nice things for her, going out on dates, because this is a part of how we grow. Like, it's the same with God. Like, we develop a relationship with Jesus by spending time with him, by growing closer to him. Um, as we dive into this, we're going to look at how this change happens over time. And, like, it'll make sense, but before I get into that, I've got to do some insider baseball, okay? I, I don't watch baseball, um, and I don't understand it really, but I... I uh, I, hopefully this will make sense. Um, when we when I preach, usually what I do is I'll take a big chunk of text and I look at for what the look for what the author is telling us. Right? Um, this is a departure from that because we're going to be looking at three events and what they tell us about the people in the text, not what the gospels themselves are saying, as much as what the events tell us about, like like the apostle Peter is actually who we're going to be looking at. Everybody with me? It'll make sense as we go. Um, and it's going to start in Luke chapter 5. If you've got a Bible, you can follow along. 
Um, and uh, those of you who went to youth group this week will be like, oh, I've heard this. Because um, I, yeah. Um, so Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Now, real quick, this is not the first time Jesus meets Peter. There are several, each of the Gospels sort of presents a different occasion where Peter enters the story. This is probably, he's probably known him for a little bit at this point, but he had not become a follower yet. Everybody with me? Um, and so... Um, the, Peter and the, and the other guys are there. They're washing their nets. They're done with work for the day. Um, I'm sure that farmers can't relate to that because work never ends for you guys, right? But this is, this is them doing their maintenance at the end of the day. Jesus is teaching. There's so many people, they can't hear him. And the advantage of getting into a boat, first off, it gives him space, right? But there would also be a shoreline that comes downhill. If shorelines are flat, the water sort of goes away. Does that make sense? And so, like, the people would have been standing there, like, like thousands probably, would have been standing there up on this hill and like he would have projected better and they would have heard him better. Everybody with me? So Jesus gets in this boat and he says, hey, push us out off the shore. Um, And so Simon, who is Peter, um, he hasn't had his name changed just yet, um, does so. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, if I were to come along, Watch this. If I were to come along and, and spend the day, like, um, at, at, say, Larry's farm, and I were to start giving him advice on how to plant or on when the right time to pull the seeds out of the ground, right? You think he'd buy that? No, probably not, right? Because I am not a farmer. Um, I'm not even a very good preacher. Like, so farming is way out there. Um, and so, like, for Jesus to say this is sort of presumptuous. And, like, Peter, you know, his initial initial response might be, hey, we're cleaning the nets the day's over. But he, he does it, right? Like he responds like he knows Jesus well enough to know, but I don't think he knew what was about to happen, right? In fact, he responds, and Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets, meaning, look, you don't know what you're talking about, but because I like you, we'll do what you say, um, which Larry would probably never say to me, <laughs> He might say he likes me. I don't know. Um, (laughs) um, And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Now, they weren't fishing with rods. This would be a net. And generally, you would, like, run the the net between two boats, and you would pull up as a team. And a lot of times, you would even have a third guy, like a third, like a fellow who would get in the water and swim back and forth and arrange the nets and sort of like pilot the the catching process. They didn't have this. This is a very basic fishing, like throw the net in, pull it out. And it was such a large net that they began to break. Like it's it's such a large number of fish, the nets began to break. Um, They had to pull the other, come on, get over here and help us. Um, This is is the miraculous catch is what it's known as, right? This is the opposite of what happens when I go fishing. Um, They have had a huge success, but... When Simon Peter, he mentions Peter now so we know exactly who he's talking about. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now, 
Peter is a rough fella. Um, if we look at all of the New Testament, there's all kinds of little hints in there, right, like about the fact that Peter was not a refined man. He was not an educated man. Actually, the book of First Peter, it's the letter that Peter wrote. Um, most scholars will point out that the, the language is really rough, like he is not a, he's not an educated fella. He knows enough to be able to write, and he knows the scriptures as well as any like Jew at the time would, but he's not like refined. And in fact, the first time he's in court, the Sanhedrin looks at him and they say, you know, who are these ignorant guys? You know, like, they, don't know, they don't even know what they're talking about. Who are you to lecture us? Get out of here, you know. I mean, because Peter presented a very rough, and, and he was aware that he was not a good guy. Um, it always, there's this thing I, I learned, the, if you have a job, the first joke that, that anybody thinks of when they meet you is the one you've heard a million times, right? And so, like, I got a friend who um, repairs elevators for a living, and so I, you know, I I've heard that that line of work has a lot of ups and downs. He's like, oh, my gosh, I've heard that so many times. It's not even funny. Just shut up, you know. Oh, I'm just pushing your buttons, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, um, you know, it, it, you never hear anything new. Like, And one of the things I hear from folks all the time is they walk into church, like, for the first time ever or the first time in 100 years, and they say, oh, lightning hasn't struck me yet. You know, God must be not paying attention. Again, like that, that, that's the attitude Peter has. He realizes Jesus has performed a miracle. There's something special going on with this guy. And his response is, whoa, back up. I don't belong near you. Like you have no idea who I am, right? And I, I've told this story before, but it's one of those, whenever I read this, I'm reminded of a gal I met in um, Indiana when I worked at the, at the home. She was in one of our rehab programs. And she'd been a drug addict and a, and a prostitute and a bunch of other stuff. And she said to me, as I was telling her about Jesus, and she said to me one day, she said, I don't think Jesus could forgive me. Like, you don't know where I've been and what I've done. Like, you don't know how bad of a person I am and how, how filthy my life has been. You have no idea. Like, God doesn't want anything to do with me. And it's actually not the truth, right? Like, um, actually, it's something that Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Like, the idea here is God looks for folks who know that they don't have it together. Like, we don't need Jesus if we're perfect. Jesus looks for people who aren't perfect, people who have failed, people who struggle with sin, people who, like, like just get weighted down with their own flesh. Like, like, these are the people Jesus is looking for. And Peter is right in that spot. Hey, get away from me. I'm not the man you want. You do not want me as a part of, you know, like, I am a sinful man, Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Um, Jesus responds and he says, hey, I know who you are, right? Come with me and you'll catch men. We'll change your line of work entirely. Um, I want to put something forth here. First off, we have a handful of like common things that are going to be in all the stories that we're going to look at. It's in a boat, right? I'm in a boat. Um, this starts with, with the boat. It starts with Jesus having a, an encounter with, with Peter. And Peter's first response is, as a baby, as not even a Christian, as not even a follower, no spiritual maturity is, I'm a bad guy, get away from me. Right? Um, his knee-jerk reaction is, you don't know who I am. You do not need to be near me like that. 
I, I am rotten, I can't stand near good stuff, or I'll just make it dirty with me. Um, Peter is a baby at this point. And when Jesus says, come with me, he responds by going with him. But he ain't like all that engaged in the beginning. Everybody with me? That's first story. Let's see if I can knock this out in under an hour. Um, I'm supposed to laugh at that. At least those who have been here before, you know I won't. Um, <laughs> Matthew 14. So we're going to jump forward several years, and we are in... Um, a different part of the story, like where Jesus has been teaching and preaching, and he has just fed 5,000 people with a handful of loaves of fish, or loaves of bread and a handful of fish. He's fed, like, like thousands of people. Um, and, and so, like, afterwards, immediately, so they fed all these people, everybody's had their dinner, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side of the lake um, while he dismissed the crowds. Now, this lake is not like a small lake. This would be an inland sea. Right, And so they are going to sail for several hours to get to the other side. Um, it's not the sort of lake you walk around in a day. It is a big body of water. Um, after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time had gone was a very long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. So these guys are out. It's night, right? Have any of y'all ever gone canoeing in the dark or boating in the dark? Like boating in the dark can be scary. Right? I mean, it can be really scary. And it's even worse when you're in like a sea and the weather starts getting rough and the tiny ship is tossed. Um, nobody? It's all right. Um, <laughs> it's a Gilligan's Island joke. It's, anyway, so um, the boat is being tossed around. These guys are experienced sailors. They're getting nervous. They're getting scared. They're fighting against the wind trying to get to the other side, and, and I'm guessing like there's a lot of terror going on, especially when in the fourth hour, or the fourth watch, meaning in the middle of the night, um, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they had cried out in fear. So they see a man walking across the water. Out there, there's a guy standing on the water, and they start screaming, Oh my gosh, what is that? What's going on? Um, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. By the way, this sounds familiar, right? Don't be afraid. Come with me. And Peter answered them, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Now watch this. Um, This is a couple years later, but Peter is a different guy at this point. Can we agree on that? Earlier, he says, whoa, back up, get away from me. And now he's saying, hey, wait a minute, if it's really you, can I walk on water with you? Can I do this? And he does. By the way, how many disciples got out of the boat and walked on water? No, just one. Everybody else stayed in the boat. Everybody else, like nobody had that kind of gumption. Peter was that sort of grab the bull by the horns and like, like, you know, take control guy. And, and a lot of times it meant that he said stupid things, and he did stupid things, which is all a part of his, like, charm. I, I like to compare myself to him that way. <laughs> um, I was saying stupid. Anyway, um, so he gets out of the boat, and he starts walking on water, and he's coming to Jesus. We see a huge shift. By the way, another parallel. So we're in a boat again, right? Another parallel, he says, come, come here, right? So we start with come with me, and now it's come here. Come walk on the water. Come do this with me. Um, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now watch this. Jesus and Peter have been together a while. Um, Peter's walking on water. He starts sinking, and he, Help! Save me, Jesus. And Jesus grabs him up, right, immediately. He doesn't wait. He doesn't lecture him before he grabs him. He immediately saves him from drowning, right? And there's a couple of really important bits to this. Watch this. Um, First off, um, Peter struggles. He's not perfect at this point, right? A lot of times when folks have been following Jesus for a little while, they expect to be better than they are. And the reality is that you will not be perfect until you stand in heaven. Like you will grow, but you'll struggle. You'll grow and you'll stumble. You'll grow and there'll still be difficulty. But when he gets in trouble this time, last time he realizes, oh man, I'm not a guy who's right with God. Get away from me. His response this time is, save me. Right? Help me. Because he knows who Jesus is and he knows that Jesus can save him. He is a different man than he was before. He's like my little Abby who you know, grows up and learns to do things on her own and like develops her own tastes and her own sense of humor, as bad as it might be, um, and everything else, like she's taking after me. Um, and, and she is amazing. She is growing. And I have to think that Jesus watching Peter, it's like watching his own kid grow up because that's what he's doing. Peter's growing up. But this isn't the next day. This is like a year or two later. Um, Peter didn't grow instantly, and he wasn't perfect. Um, he's taking his first steps and learning to walk. Um, learning to walk in faith in Christ. Last story, and we'll tie it all up. This is John 21, 1 to 19. So a little background on where we're at. This is the end of the story here. This is the end of the book of John, last chapter. Um, Jesus has been crucified, and as they were preparing for him to be crucified, um, Jesus tells Peter basically, hey, you know what, you guys are all going to abandon me. And I'm going to be arrested and killed. And Peter says, not me. I'll never abandon you. I'll go with you anywhere. I'll die for you. And Jesus is like, nope. Before the rooster crows three times this morning, you're going to deny me three times. Uh, Or you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter's like, no, not at all. That's not happening. And, of course, he does. Um, Jesus is arrested. Peter, like, tries to fight. He pulls out a sword and cuts a guy's ear off. And Jesus picks the ear up and heals the guy, puts it back on. Peter drops the sword and runs away. Not as brave as he thought. Then he goes with John, right, um, the author of this gospel. They go to where the trial is taking place at somebody's house. By the way, if you are ever arrested and they take you to somebody's house to try you in the middle of the night, you are in trouble. Everybody got it? (laughs) This is a very rural community. I've met some of the sheriffs. You never know what will (laughs) happen, especially after saying something like that in a sermon. Um, but they, they, at a house, and in the courtyard, Peter shows up with John, and the guy who lets them in says, well, wait a minute, aren't you friends of Jesus? And Peter says, no, I don't even know that guy. And then the next guy asks, well, wait a minute, I thought I saw you guys together. Nope, you know some other guy, you got that wrong. And then a little girl, a servant girl, asks him, I swear I saw you guys together. And Peter, being a sailor, basically cusses her out, is what the Greek tells us. He uses very strong language, and he's a sailor, you put the pieces together he cusses out this little girl and says basically i blank 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 don't know him you blank 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 and a rooster crows and peter realizes what he's done he's not only said he doesn't know him but he's like swearing and screaming that he doesn't know him and peter begins to cry bitterly and he runs away 
um, because he realizes that he's denied him three times. John, on the other hand, goes with Jesus to the cross, and he stands at the foot of the cross and watches Jesus die. He's also the only one who died of natural causes. Everybody else was killed in a different way, like head cut off or skinned alive or what have you. Um, so John 21, this is after Jesus has come back. They have not had a conversation. Peter and Jesus have not had a conversation. There's a distance between them. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, called Tom, uh, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, meaning James and John, uh, and two others of his disciples, which was John and another guy, went fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. Meaning, so Peter says, well, let's go fishing. Um, and he said, well, we'll come with you. So they went out onto the, and got into the boat, and they, but that night they caught nothing. By the way, does this sound familiar? They fish all night and they don't catch anything. There's a parallel here, isn't there? But it's not in the book of John, is the crazy thing. I looked for it, and it's not in the book of John. Um, Luke tells us about not catching anything all night. Um, and so they're out there, they're fishing, they're not catching anything. So Peter's ashamed of himself. He's a broken man, and he can't catch any fish. Um, sorry, let me find my spot again. Uh, they said, we will go with you. They got in the boat. They caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, he yelled out from shore, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, No. And he said, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Sound familiar? It's exactly what happened when he met Jesus the first time, right? Um, so they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, meaning John, um, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. Um, meaning, John was in, or Peter was in the water. He was navigating the nets. He realizes Jesus is there. And this time around, he doesn't even wait. He sees him on shore. He puts his clothes on, and he dives in and swims to Jesus 100 yards to get to him. Right? Like, how different is Peter at this point? Right? This is a man who the first time this miraculous catch thing happened, he says, oh, back up. I'm a bad man. Now Peter has demonstrated through like the biggest failure he's ever going to commit that he is a bad man, that he is undeserving of God's grace and love. And like he sees Jesus and all he wants to do is get to him. He's not pushing him away. He dives in and swims to be close to him. This is a man who has grown up. This is a man who has changed. This is a man who has learned to walk, and then he's learned to run, and he's become different through and through. His heart is changed. Because in the worst day of his life, the worst day of his life, he runs back to Jesus because he knows that's the only way he's going to be right again. He went from being a man who would push him away to being a man who loved him so much he would, he would do anything to be close to him again. Um, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off the land, about a hundred yards off. And when they got out on land, they saw the charcoal fire was in place with fish laid out on it and bread. By the way, Jesus already had fish and bread. <laughs> he was cooking breakfast. Um, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you, you have just caught. So, so Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore. 
and it was full of large fish, 153 of them. Although they were, there were so many, the net was not torn. Another difference from the original story, by the way. The net's almost torn the first, and the net wasn't torn this time. Um, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dare ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, now they, a third time, Jesus was revealed to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now, it keeps going here. Watch this. When they, said, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved for he because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Um, And he said to him, Lord, you know everything, and you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And so, like, watch this. He asked him three times, basically, because he denied him three times. He's establishing with Peter, because Jesus already knows. Peter, remember you love me. You failed, but you love me. You stumbled, but you love me. You broke under pressure, but you love me. You are my person. Now do my work. Um, He doesn't lecture him. He doesn't kick him while he's down. He doesn't spit on him. He doesn't mock him. He doesn't judge him. He doesn't stare down his nose at him. He doesn't make him, you know, jump through hoops to be right with him again. Jesus forgives readily. And, And Peter understands who Jesus is now in a completely different way. Now, here's the last parallel here. Truly, truly, I say to you that when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he, would glor- he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. He finishes one more time, follow me, Peter. And he didn't even have to say it because Peter was going to do it, right? And actually, the way this story ends, Peter is a very old man, right? In the, like 65 AD, Peter was arrested and he was taken to Rome where he was, he and his wife were arrested, actually taken to Rome. Peter's wife was crucified in front of him. They forced him to watch his wife die. And he cried out to her while she was being crucified. He screamed, he said, remember how Jesus loved the people who hurt him. Remember how Jesus loved the people who killed him. Do the same thing. Love them even though they're doing this. And then the next day they dragged him out and he said, I'm not even worthy to die the way Jesus died. And they nailed him to a cross and hung him upside down, which was probably about ten times worse than being crucified. It would have been really horrible. Um, but man, that's not the same guy who said, get away from me, I'm a horrible person, is it? Like Peter grew up and he changed and over time God shifted and molded and made him different. And it's that gospel according to Jesus. It's this lifestyle that Jesus calls us to. Obey my teachings. Love me. Love your neighbor. Um, have faith in, in this death I die for you. Give up everything and be mine and you'll be saved forever. Like it doesn't profit you to get the whole world. Like save your soul. Do it for me. Like this gospel that Jesus preached to him, Peter took on, and by the end, he was a different man. As, I mean, as different as, as, as anybody could be, right? Because Peter's awesome? No. Because the Holy Spirit changed him. I'm finishing this series with this for a reason. Um, I know a lot of folks struggle, right? I know a lot of folks look and say, man, how can I be this messed up? How can I fail this much? Or why is it even worth trying? Or what am I supposed to... And we we look at the hard things that God puts in our lives and we say, God, I don't even get this. What's up with you? We look at the hardship and we say, you know, God must hate me. 
But in reality, God is walking with us in all of this stuff. And what he wants for us to do is walk with him, to obey him, to belong to him, to have faith in his son, to love him, to love our neighbors. And like through that process, we change. Through that process, we become someone different and better. Um, it's the best gift you can be given. Um, I look at my, my wife's picture, and, and you know she's beautiful to me. Like She is always going to be beautiful to me. Um, but like I've seen where God has changed her heart and made her a better person. Not because of anything I've done, but because the Holy Spirit changes her. I've seen where he changes me. I've seen where he's changed people in this room. I've seen where like God will do amazing things. But it begins with taking a step out, right, and following him. And he says it to you every day. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. And my challenge to you today is Jesus' challenge. As you walk out the door today, ask yourself, am I following him? Um, or good, or am I kicking him down the road and saying later, or am I giving him half-hearted service so I can just get to heaven, like I just want to get in under the skin of my teeth, I'd like to enjoy myself now. Are we, are we phoning it in? Like, who are you? Um, are you ready to step out of the boat? Are you ready to swim closer to him because you want to be close to him again? Are you ready to be people who belong to Jesus? Um, we're going to close with a blessing, and I'll let you all out of here, and we'll go eat in 50 minutes. Um, stand up and we'll close with a blessing and a prayer. Um, we'll pray first. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd be with us today. I pray that I pray that the folks who've, who've been hearing your word this morning, that no matter where they are, if they're just encountering you for the first time, if they're people who've been following you forever, if they're people who are standing in a storm and feel themselves sinking and don't know what to do, if they're people who've screwed up big and need to return to you as desperately as they need to do anything else in life, I pray that you would help them to heed your call to follow. Um, Help us to be a a community of people that follow Jesus. Help us to be a community of people that belong to you, that are your children. And I pray, Lord, that we'd get to be, I don't know, that these stages in our life would be like photos on your fridge as you walk us grow, watch us grow and become better and mature and become who we were meant to be. I pray that you'd give us wisdom and, and grace to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. And we'll close with a